0: Welcome to the Anime Gamers Podcast. This is episode number one eighty one. I'm your host Evan Minto, and with me, as always, is David Estrella.
1: What is up, anime video gamers? How are you all doing? It has been a little, little while since uh, the last time we got on, and I feel like we're, it's always a little while. We always take like little breaks, little, little, little retreats.
0: Um, yeah, and there's mm. there's one thing I think podcast listeners always love, which is to hear podcasters talk about how long it's been since the last episode uh-huh. at the beginning of every episode and we know that because we do it all the time on yeah. the anti-gamers podcast so well, you know,
1: we had we had a good reason you know you you were traveling and you were traveling again and yeah uh ax huh yeah i just uh, i got back from ax this past week
0: and it was uh it was all all work because i was there for uh, azuki we had a booth i we did a ton of meetings and i also was helping coordinate all sorts of events and news coverage and stuff for mecca uday which is a it's pretty cool kind of backstory it's like a science fiction uh, mechanical arms sort of thing like each character has like has uh talking arms attached to their bodies and uh it was originally a kickstarter project then got uh like it got turned into like a pilot anime episode and now it got picked up for a full anime TV series and a manga and so Azuki has the the manga license which we announced a couple weeks ago and the anime staff was at AX and so we were helping with promotion and all that Um, and it's available now on Azuki just a self promotion sorry about that disclaimer (laughs) I I work for (laughs) Azuki I work in the I work for big manga Uh, more accurately I work for small manga but you get the idea Mm -hmm. yeah and it, it you know uh ax is not fun so i won't say it was fun but it was fun seeing seeing friends and stuff it's and, not fun but it gets like half a million people to show up i don't know why people go for fun but uh you know it's at least it's interesting work when i go for work but i would i would personally not pay for a badge if i was like a regular
1: attendee i would not go to ax <laughs> it's just yeah. too big too obnoxious yeah like i mean they get great stuff yeah like that's oh, the like, reason yeah, they to show up they get huge <laughs> Huge guests and premieres and things. But there's a good amount of people that like are very public about the fact that they would not buy a badge to AX if they could just get a badge to like the events that are happening around AX. Like because of just the uh, the fact that they still do that sort of thing where it's like you buy a, a, an AX badge and then you have to like get tickets to events outside of that. Right For some of the
0: concerts and things, they'll sometimes have those be separately ticketed And autograph signings, too, you don't have to pay for them, but they are ticketed, which is kind of annoying. So, it's like you have to get a ticket somewhere, and then you have to show up to the autograph signing with a ticket.
1: There's got to be a better way to run an
0: anime convention. There has to. Well, yeah. I mean, at that size, I think there might not be a better... I mean, there's lots of room for improvement, but some of that stuff is necessary at that size, you know? I will mention, I, I barely got to go to any panels for, you know, personal interest, but... I made a little bit of time in my schedule for trigger events. Uh, and I did go to and live tweet from a few of the uh, the trigger events or trigger related events. So, I went to their main panel. I didn't make it to their um, their live drawing. And then I went to the geek boat panel, which is technically not a trigger panel. But it's it's all the guys from trigger. It's just not... It doesn't say trigger anywhere in the title or description. Mm-hmm. If that's that, that off of the record sort of panel, right? Yes. Uh, and it's... I mean... I did tweet from it, but I held some stuff back because there were things they were like, don't post this. We don't want to get in trouble. Uh, And that's the charm of
1: going to the geek boat panel is the things that might get them in trouble. Yeah, Trigger, if there's anything that I can say uh, with a lot of certainty is that some of those Trigger guys, they like they like getting in trouble. Uh, and oh, then yeah. they like to be all like, ah, ha, ha, no, no, please don't. I, I don't want to get in trouble. And then they do something or show you something, draw something that, you know, uh, maybe they shouldn't be showing you just yet. Little little sneak right, peeks right. and surprises and things. Well, the,
0: the one of the really nice things about the Geek Boat panel and Geek Boat, if you've been listening to this podcast and you don't know who they are, Geek Boat is a group of three creators uh, associated with Studio Trigger, who the backstory is like originally there was a group of them. They called themselves the Geek Fleet, and it was just like a bunch of guys who worked together a lot and hung out together. And it was like the, the, the core staff behind Panty and Stocking at Gynax. And then a bunch of them kind of split off and went to other studios and things. And so the Geek Boat is like the core group that kept doing stuff together at Trigger and that is uh, Hiroyuki Imaishi, director of Promare and Kill La Kill, and I guess Cyberpunk Edge Runners now is the (laughs) big thing. Um, And Shigeto Koyama, the designer of Promare, among other things, and Hiromi Wakabayashi, who's like just a jack of all trades, kind of producer, designer, concept guy at Trigger. So the Geek Boat Race, it's called Geek Boat Race, that's their panel. It's just like them hanging out, and they deliberately said at the beginning like there will not be any trigger news like we're barely gonna talk about work (laughs) we're just we're just hanging out and like drawing stuff and goofing around and that is true they didn't announce anything they didn't even really reveal any like secret industry stuff they did most of it was taken up with like koyama drawing doing a game where he would start drawing something on a post-it note and then the audience would have to guess as he draws what he's drawing Uh, But then he would like swerve and do some funny stuff where it would like, like, I don't think I'll get him in trouble for saying he started one where it like looked like a dick and you're like, everyone's like, it's a penis. And then it was like, it was uh, (laughs) something else. I guess I shouldn't say what it is just in case they get in trouble for copyright (laughs) infringement, but it was something else. (laughs) That was a lot of fun. And that that was most of the panel. It was just that, uh, which is kind of amazing to like to have Japanese guests doing that kind of stuff. Like you never see panels. You almost never see panels that are like, uh, they're just not even going to talk about their work, right? Like, they're just going to hang out. It's just, you're there for their, like,
1: personalities more than mm. anything. I feel like that would be a real revelation to a lot of people that come up here and do super stuffy presentations. Like, why not I just mm-hmm. cut loose a little bit? Like, just, just, let's all just hang out and have fun because uh, most of these people, after the hour that the panel is done, they're like, they're never going to see these people again, maybe, until, like, the next time that they come to an event. Uh, yeah, you know, uh-huh.
0: it... it, it, it it occurred to me it's kind of like a vtuber thing right like just in the sense that like vtubers are like you know you you're tuning in for their personality it's like like you mm. go to a, i haven't i've i've only stepped in once or twice to like a vtuber event at a con but like you're just they're just like hanging out right like yeah
1: that's where the magic yeah, you're, happens. you're hanging out
0: with them that's that's why people like vtubers and it's kind of like that it's like people are are there for the, like the kind of parasocial experience of hanging out with these guys
1: evan are you watching vtubers yet no because I, I know we have watched. staff members from them we have but, staff members yeah. that are like not necessarily uh driven to get you real deep into that rabbit hole but uh, I do think that they are interested to see like where where your interests would lie because I think that a person's favorite VTuber says a lot about their personality I don't think I could become a VTuber fan I don't have the simp gene you don't you really don't I don't. I don't know if like yeah, because if like if you won't die for your VTuber or, or go broke for your VTuber, um, then what are you really doing? You're just sponging off yeah. their good content, huh?
0: Yeah, I'm. I'm immune to the to simping, so it's it's gonna be a bit of a problem for me to get into VTubers I, in the sense, not in the sense of you have a problem, but in the sense that I would I would just it would just bounce off me. I'd be like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I've seen VTuber clips and it was like, that was my response. I was like, oh, that's really funny. Yeah. Next. So, I'm not anti-VTuber. It's just not, doesn't hold that much appeal to me. It's kind of like, it's cool that people are doing it and people are into it. uh, And I, you know, I could tune into one and be like, oh, it's kind of entertaining, but it just doesn't like stick with me the way it does for other people. I don't build the parasocial relationship. Evan's just here for the clip shows and the memes. Yeah, the clip shows are funny. I've watched some of those. I don't know if I could sit through the whole stream (laughs) waiting for the funny lines. Yeah. Anyway, we did not, we've been uh, gone so long, we didn't actually intro what we're doing today. This is what we call a quick save episode, which is why we're just shooting the shit, because that's, we could have called it a just shooting the shit episode. But instead, we call it a quick save episode to make it sound like we have some kind of organization here. Uh, So it's just not a a defined topic, uh, not like a single review or anything. Uh, We just do these episodes to talk about kind of stuff we've been up to lately hence Anime Expo and also the thing that both of us have been up to lately
1: nonstop, which is playing The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom Evan Minto this video game this video game right this this Zelda video game that Nintendo has put out is the most irresponsible thing I think that a video game developer has done there's just so much video game Evan I thought it was just DLC that's I'm, what I thought I'm like I'm standing there like, I'm, I'm literally, like, I have my character just stand there, look around, and I think to myself, what have they wrought? Uh, that is quite a lot of game. And it's all running on a Nintendo Switch, which is, like, as powerful as an iPhone 8. And it's all running on, to my point about
0: the DLC thing, basically the same engine, everything, I don't know about engine, it's hard to tell the engine from looking at it, but... It, it basically like looks and feels exactly like Breath of the Wild, but with a bunch of, you know, a modified map and a bunch of new features and like a bunch of stuff that on paper might sound like you're playing the same game, but you're not or you're kind of like playing just more of the same yeah. game that doesn't feel like a repeat.
1: Yeah, I think uh, visually, maybe to somebody just passing by, it does just look like another direct chapter in Breath of the Wild. But then when you're Mm -hmm. actually playing it, and then when you consider what it was like to play Breath of the Wild compared to this, like there are some rather dramatic enhancements that I am pretty surprised have arrived this late into the Switch's life cycle.
0: Yeah, also... uh, We're gonna just spoil for this, so um, because the game is so open-ended and everyone's playing it right now, uh, so yeah, Yeah. just be prepared. We're we're just gonna talk about whatever in the game, whatever shit we ran into. neither of us are probably that far into the story so I, I, there's not really much to spoil story wise we're just going to spoil Evan, like I've, discover i've played for yeah. 30
1: hours and i don't know where the story is
0: yeah exactly there's not much to spoil there <laughs> what we're going to spoil is probably just like things we discovered game mechanics that kind of stuff so if you know you can turn off now if you want to go in totally blind and discover everything yourself 70 dollar video game well, not for me. It wasn't because I got a Japanese copy using the tax-free thing you can do uh, when when you're traveling in Japan, and uh, because the the yen is weak, I was able to get it for basically fifty bucks. That's a deal. Twenty bucks off. Yeah, it was pretty good. Brand new Japanese edition, and it came with like a Japanese uh, postcard with a little like paper stand for it. Uh, and it's region free, so it just it has
1: English on the cart, and it works just like the English edition. It's yeah, great. Nintendo got real smart about just making their games uh, global, just worldwide. Doesn't matter. Everybody knows what a Nintendo is, so if you buy it in Japan, you can probably play it in the United States. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I will say I I was a little worried it was just going to feel like DLC,
0: and I got owned because yeah, I started playing it. And it we was all like, got owned. Oops. Yeah, actually,
1: this is a whole ass video game. <laughs> we all we all got owned. And I'm really grateful that I read a super critical review of this. Like, it was not a review to uh, trash the game. It was just a review that echoed a lot of complaints that I had or, like, ha- exists now in, in my head uh, based on what Breath of the Wild is. Because Breath of the Wild is not really like Zelda games before it. And mm-hmm. it's got some stuff in it that I would rather not have as opposed to, you know, like very deliberately designed dungeons and yep, combat yep, the that thing. doesn't feel as disposable as it is in Breath of the Wild. Like I'm not I'm not sure how to describe the combat in Breath of the Wild, but it does almost it almost feels like combat is not even a thing that you should be trying out unless like you're super creative with all of the items. Um, what do you mean by that? Yeah, just because like you could and Breath of the Wild, like I honestly felt like I was fighting with tree branches half the time. And um, I think like the most effective way to clear a lot of spots where combat was involved was just like, oh, just like, you know, use things that are in the environment right there. Don't like depend all the time on stuff that you're carrying. But my Mm. (laughs) my philosophy on uh, progressing in video games is almost always depend on the things that, you, that you're that you carrying because that's just like your immediate advantage anytime you walk up into a fight. It's like, what do I have on hand that I can use right now? And not like, oh, okay, what is in the environment that I can manipulate using, you know, like fancy gameplay mechanics? And I also honestly felt like a lot of the combat in Breath of the Wild was just designed around like, not necessarily coming in prepared, but just being able to intelligently use the stuff that you could find around like immediately. My reflexes and my train of thought isn't so fast, I think, that like I can actually conjure up like a, a good plan of action when I would like invade the one of those Bacoblin hideouts. Yeah, I mean that's what I liked about it was that it
0: feels very creative and like all your decisions feel really contingent, right? Like mm-hmm. no two fights are the same, which is pretty cool. Um but I think that I mean, to the you know, to get into Tears of the Kingdom, that's more so the case here. Like it feels, yeah. it 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 feels so creative. Like every fight has a million different things that
1: you can do. Yeah, there's um. Oh man, I'm not even gonna talk about the fight yet. I'm gonna just like say like there is a puzzle. There's a shrine puzzle because shrines are back, baby, uh, and bigger than ever. There there was a shrine puzzle that was like more or less like a pachinko machine and the whole point was like to pachinko a ball into a slot that would open a door And I didn't even really do that. I just flew myself up to where the ball was spawning and then just lifted the ball up and put it into the spot. Like I didn't, (laughs) I completely bypassed all of the mechanics in that (laughs) shrine. Like because of the amount of things that you have access to that don't even cost you anything like that ultra hand ability. (laughs) Right, right, right. Ultra hand has no cost associated with it, which is insane. (laughs) Okay. So let's, 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 let's pedal back a little bit because we're, we're we already talking about
0: explain all... for people who haven't played yet, yeah.
1: Okay, so the concept of Tears of the Kingdom is that there was a kingdom and uh, things it's sucked, now. so it's crying, it's crying now because things uh, went very badly and you are kind of directly responsible for almost all the problems that are happening right now because you and your girlfriend, Princess Zelda uh, like, you went on a bad date <laughs> bad, like the shittiest date in all of Hyrule uh <laughs> More or less, just exploring the basement of Hyrule Castle, and you unleash a unfathomable evil across the land again. Um, and now it's your your job as a, a very naked, very naked Link. I I, I appreciated uh, I, I appreciated them just spitting us out into the gameplay, like just with nothing. Like we we really are just back to how how things started in Breath of the Wild, just spawning boxers link boxers link and having to just use our wits to survive and now we're not you know because now we have to introduce a gimmick uh we're not on in hyrule anymore but we are we are some like thousands of meters above hyrule the gimmick is that there's like the bits and pieces of the kingdom floating around the the kingdom that is crying the tear the teary there's a a sky a sky kingdom in the sky above hyrule Mm -hmm. and like Nobody has been able to see this as well. Like it's so funny, just well, how much of no, this is appears. not in Breath of the Breath of the Wild.
0: <laughs> it it uh, canonically the the Sky Islands like appeared, like they were not visible before. Uh-huh. Uh, I I don't know the full explanation there yet. Yeah, maybe I missed it, but or maybe it'll be explained later. But they supposedly they like appeared, and so it's a new thing. People on the ground will be like, "Oh, all these
1: Sky Islands just appeared recently." Yeah. Uh, whatever so, however the game explains it um it's an excuse to have another tutorial section that i think and took also me a few another days. another i mean the big you know uh the the
0: kind of headline of the game is that it's another layer to the map so like all, you have the full hyrule that you had from mm-hmm. the first game but then on top of it you have another layer that's the sky <laughs> with these like islands scattered around
1: so that was a that was a big old tutorial section i was actually a little bit not on board yet with the video game because i found a part of that tutorial section where if you take like the wrong path you have to walk your ass all like the way back to the point where you messed up and it's like it's a long walk it's like because, because you can just walk places, it could take you like 20 to 30 minutes simply to get from one point to the other if the game requires you to actually get yourself there. This is before the quick travel comes into play. Right. Um, crafting is, wow. They really just said, fuck it. We will let you combine anything with anything. We, okay, so we have to
0: explain how these new abilities work because your abilities are totally new. All, all your apps on your Zelda phone are different. Um, so you have the you have Ultra Hand, which is the big, most notable one. And that is like, you, you can, in the same way you could in the first game, though with some a lot more features, but the way the first game had like the magnet power, now you can pick up maybe not anything, but almost any kind of like free float uh, free floating object something that's not like rooted to the ground like a tree but you can cut down a tree and then you can move the log so like anything like a log or a rock or whatever you can you can pick it up and just like float it around in midair and turn it and then you can
1: glue it to any other object (laughs) there's this mysterious glue that just shows up yeah nah i don't know if it's explained and yeah, and there's not much of a limit into how you can attach things and where to attach things. I mean, there there is, right. there are points of... There's a little bit of snapping and stuff that goes on. Yeah, but the game does give you a lot of space to just figure it out yourself, um, which leads to designs like uh, little, little gliders, um, cars that don't steer at the beginning.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. My cousin made a great one that was just like a little cart... With just a, a, a wooden plank, four wheels, uh, a, a fan on the back, which we'll, we can describe how those work, and then like a fire emitter thing on the front, but no way to steer it, and so he just drove it into the grass, <laughs> and like, you know, the grass got lit on fire, then the wood got lit on fire, then the wheels fell off. <laughs>
1: um, there are there are these little robot freaks um, yeah, yeah. everywhere. Uh, and this thing called what, like zonite? Zonite. It's like a zona zonite, zonite or whatever is the uh, the rock that you use. It's like a currency, uh, building material, like the base building material for a mm. lot of contraptions that you can use that they've designed. That they somehow figured it out like a way to just conjure up fans and time bombs and rockets um a lot of like just stuff that you would think like okay how am i going to build like a cabin out of all like these wooden planks that are everywhere it's like no you don't have to do that you can just spawn the item but these items if you don't find them in the wild they come out of a gotcha machine that's really funny (laughs) and everybody keeps being like oh this mysterious machine it's like i know what it is (laughs) you look at it you look at it yeah and What's funnier is like the more generous offering of zonite that you give it, uh, yep. the more stuff that you get, and also link reacts based on like how good your role was. <laughs> you can make your your little little elf freak uh, a gotcha pervert yeah it's really good yeah so
0: so yeah basically you have like raw materials and they have a new thing where it's like there's just like pieces of wood scattered around and then you have these like powered devices you have a battery pack that like you have as an item now which like it gets depleted Mm -hmm. as you use things like fans like any powered devices and then you can just put all this together and if you hit a an object that has these devices it will activate them and they all just have like all these different physics effects. So you can basically just engineer anything you want. It's, it's like, it's so crazy. You it's are like, I'm,
1: at the mercy of these physics.
0: I'm unable to eloquently describe how crazy it is that you can just build like anything. Mm. It's like, it's very much like a Minecraft or something. Um, but I think, you know, with a lot more, uh, like, you know, it's a, a higher level of, um, of, of, objects that you're working with so minecraft you're working with like very very low level materials and you have to kind of like piece them together yourself uh so you you know a fan is a pretty high level thing you don't have to build a fan out of nothing and so it makes it pretty easy to just like slap together like oh here's a little fan boat here's a mm-hmm. here's like a glider with some fans on it here's uh, a hot air balloon or whatever
1: yeah so sky world, sky world is cool and all right uh there's eventually a point where you're told to just jump off, uh, and then like an absolute rube, you just fall off, but you got, you got your glider. So you're going to be okay. Um, you go to see how things have been shaken out over in Hyrule and yeah, it does look like everything is in chaos. They call it the upheaval all over. Um, it really seems like information traveled pretty fast over there. Like, I think you were gone for a little while. But the way that the world is, it really feels like you've been gone for years, maybe. Mm. Um, You meet Pura from the first game, uh, who has gotten a redesign. I'm not sure what happened, but... uh, They've got hot Pura now. Yeah, uh, she's uh, she's hot now. She's, like, super hot now. (laughs) Um, And, okay, so this is the point where... You do some things, you talk to some people, you do like standard Zelda plot progression stuff. Um, And then everything changed for me when I talked to somebody who wanted to investigate this thing called the depths. Oh, yeah, that's it. I mean, that's that's the big the big uh, gasp moment in this game. (laughs) Okay, so um, yeah, the past like 30 hours that I have not been playing the game exactly like advancing. Wait the game did you when did you find the depths uh like almost right away after uh okay
0: okay yeah because you can find them pretty quick i thought you found them 30 hours in which would be wild no no
1: no uh yeah like okay almost like almost like right away um there's like a little side quest that you can do right right because thankfully there's a hub town which will just prompt uh you to do stuff because you'll probably have like a lot of questions like okay um what what can i do how can i make my um my machines that i'm making not suck and yeah i mean that the the quests
0: coming out of there uh introduce you to like the depths they uh you're, you don't start with your glider so you one of those quests like or just talking to somebody there gets you your glider like it, it sets
1: you all up with a couple quests in that first mm-hmm. town um yeah i was a little a little disappointed when it just seemed like it was going to become a map game because you have to activate uh you have to activate those towers, towers again. again. Yeah. New a ta- new kind of tower. Yeah. Uh, but those towers do help a lot with the mobility in that game.
0: Yeah, because the towers shoot you up into the sky. Yep. Yep. And then you can like choose where to go from there. Yeah. You can either like land on a sky island or just use it to get access to other parts of Hyrule
1: because you have more like mobility uh-huh. up in the sky. It yeah, that it, that's a nice thing about Tears of the Kingdom. It's very encouraging. Like if you see something and you can get access to it, uh it doesn't really try to hold you back. Not there aren't there aren't many many uh like walls to progression. I think one of the slight
0: negatives is that having that much access to the sky sometimes, you know, it has that problem where it's like it's easy for you to over optimize right so like the because the game gives you an easy way to do something it i sometimes find myself disappointed that i wasn't forced to do it in a harder way right (laughs) and it's like i I could always do it i could force myself to do it but but it's kind of like then it's kind of artificial right it's not Mm. like i don't feel like i'm i'm making a genuine choice there um so like for example you know you can basically just go anywhere you want by like shooting yourself up in the sky and then gliding somewhere
1: yeah Although there are some parts of the map that like everything there hits like a truck. You're going you're gonna to lose like all your hearts. And, yeah, one and,
0: and, and especially some of the sky islands are like, you know, I'll look at them and be like, I don't know how I could get there. <laughs> right. Like, mm. and that, that's a more genuine challenge because it's like, well, it's not near enough to a tower. I would need to maybe build a device with enough battery power or something. Right. Like mm-hmm. and that, that's kind of cool that there's things that you look at that you're like, I don't even know. Like I would have to engineer a solution to get there. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Um so so the depths, right? This is um it's uh yeah, you you thought you were happy having two maps, right? This is so crazy. And yeah, like oh, two layers. Nope. This is so sick, okay? So there's a <laughs> third map bigger than <laughs> the sky world and it's all darkest shit. Um it's underground.
0: Uh, it is it is uh, and I I don't know if I'm going to spoil you on this, David. Do you, do you Did you figure out what the deal is with the topography in the depths? Uh
1: I was trying to figure it out. What is it? It's inverted
0: from the topography of Hyrule. Really? I, I'm pretty sure from what I can tell. So where there's a mountain in Hyrule, there's a pit in the depths and vice versa.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, because I was, I was trying to figure it out because I would sometimes... Um, okay, so in the sky world, they'll give you a map uh, if you I don't know if like you you could find like an old map but it's pointing to a thing in the depths so you find a map in the sky world and then you try to find it in the depths but because the depths is its own map that you have to like activate all these little beacons you can only really use the top level like the, the middle level like the Hyrule level as a reference right. so I would be trying to figure out like how do I get access to this sort of stuff aside from just like crossing all the depths which is quite the challenge when you can't really see anything um yep. you do and have enemies ob- are harder y- yeah. and there's
0: there's a couple of things going on there's like uh there's gloom which is a material that like covers a lot of surfaces and if you touch it it doesn't only damage you it reduces your total hearts mm. uh so that it has uh there's a lot of like really clever like you know just you, you just like think about what they did from a game design perspective to encourage behaviors right like like that's really good because it makes it it, it means that unless i mean even if you come well prepared with like equipment and stuff you're kind of like your time is limited down there you eventually have to kind of come up for air because you're eventually going to get hit you're going to start losing hearts and then you're going to be like you know you'll just your total the slack you mm-hmm. have to work with like decreases mm-hmm. over time as you
1: as you make more and more mistakes Th- see and this is a good not- reason to do shrines uh shrines right. i think in breath of the wild were kind of You try to do as many as you needed to up until a point where it's like, okay, I'm going to not bother with these. But because of the fact that your health health is like semi-permanently decreasing every time that you get hit or you touch the gloom, having more health means more time that you can actually explore in the depths. So it's all dark. You have to light it up by
0: activating these things. I'm also going to spoil another thing for you, David, if you don't mind, but these are there's a couple of things about navigating the depths that you can like learn over time that will help you uh, kind of piece it together. One of them is the relationship with the topography above ground. The other is the you. There's a way to figure out where the light roots are
1: located based on what's happening above ground. Did you figure that out? No. What I would do is I would get to the highest point and then just look around for a orange glowing thing. Yeah. All right. Check this out. Uh, with a few exceptions, though I might have just
0: failed to find them in those exception cases, light routes are placed directly underneath shrines.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and and so it's vice versa, too. You find a light route, you can mark on your Hyrule map that there's going to be a shrine directly above it. That's actually really helpful. Uh, and, but uh-huh. nobody tells you that, right? I mean, it's like I had to just discover this by looking at the map myself. And then once you discover it, it like helps you navigate, right? Because now you know some of the rules and you can apply them to navigate the depths and to navigate Hyrule, right? Because mm. you find something in the depths, you can be
1: like, oh, there's going to be a shrine around here somewhere. Yeah, see, I was just having a grand old time uh, crawling around in the dark like a like a creature. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's very golem uh rest in peace to that that game video studio. Game. oh man <laughs> the whole studio went uh, stop making games oops you have to release a game so bad that your whole studio shuts down that's unfortunate yeah i mean some of that's probably like publisher pressure but yeah 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 yeah.
0: the other thing that's i think is really clever about the depths is yeah so it's all dark so you need to light it up using the these like light root shrine things But then you also can light it up with like lots of stuff, like mainly use those bright bloom seeds that you can like shoot or throw, but also like lots of other stuff generates light. You can have Mm -hmm. clothes that generate light. There are, if you have like elemental weapons and things, those also
1: create light, uh, which you can use in a pinch and you can also just use your instincts because the darkness yes. that you see in front of you sometimes is a different kind of darkness from like whether it's a root or a wall i feel
0: yeah i feel mm. like i spent
1: enough time in the depths that like if i look at something it's like a different shade of just black so i'm like okay i think i think that there's either going to be a big old pitfall in front of me or there's gonna be a wall that I can scale up, and depending on how dark it is above my head, it's either gonna be just like a, a wall that I can't actually get over, or I might even be able to get over it. It's uh, it's like super atmospheric in a way that I was missing from Zelda. Like, yeah, it's just like the. I think that the depths fills out my hangout uh, quotient that I want from a game, but it's like this sort of discomforting hangout where it's like, you're only here to feel bad, but feeling bad feels like an integral part of the experience. I am unsurprised to hear that you like the depths because
0: they're like the most Dark Souls part of the Zelda game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, It's I, like, it's yeah, okay, the harder yeah. part of the game. It's like dark and gloomy and yeah. depressing. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but it's like, it's also, there's like just big old periods of it being quiet, but there's like, it's that yeah, yeah. quiet where it's building up to either you're going to have to cross a big old chasm of dew, uh, of, of uh, gloom or, you know, you might get lucky, you might turn a corner and it's like just suddenly all bright because you have accidentally wandered into where um one of the light beacons can be activated. Mm. Like. It's so much different than just wandering up in Hyrule, where I think things are pretty obvious, right? Well, I'm
0: glad you said it, because one of the things that I I noticed that I think is really brilliant here is, so one of the, it's not even a mechanic exactly, but one of the features of the first game that, that really set it apart was basically just that it had a really long draw distance, right Mm -hmm. so you could see anything in hyrule across the map if it was like in your line of sight right and that's like a genuinely game-changing experience because you can just be like oh what's on that mountain and just go to it right Mm -hmm. uh and so it's so clever that in this game they said we're gonna make a whole area that's the reverse that has a b- almost zero draw distance right so you mm-hmm. can't see anything you can't even see what's right in front of you mm-hmm. and so then it becomes about managing your light sources and effectively managing like your draw distance and ma- managing how far you can see away from your character mm-hmm. so it's like it, I think it's one of the things that makes the depths add so much to the game is that like it just reverses the whole like your whole visibility mechanic so that it feels so different, like you're playing a different game when you go to the depths mm-hmm. than when you're up in Hyrule.
1: And it is super worth going into the depths because you could find a lot of cool items in there. And these uh, yeah. schema things, it's like high high risk, high reward kind of stuff. These uh, these instructions to just create things, right? Because eventually you pick up a um, an auto build feature, and I think you, you actually yeah, get is it in the really depths. crucial.
0: Yeah, you need to get it in the depths. Yeah, but like i didn't even uh find a quest for it or anything i stumbled into it while i was exploring the depths. yeah Yeah. when
1: i found that i'm like oh shit, this might change everything um because what i've found out was that in the depths the way to go is to just get as much height as you can like if you're crawling around in the bottom there's a good chance that you're gonna die right because you might you might actually just be inside of a pit and you don't have you don't know you have like no idea But if you can get height, then like you can sort of guess how far things are. And there's like a bunch of really creepy trees to crawl up, uh, which might like, you might be gliding from tree to tree for a time, but also because of auto build, you can build like a hot air balloon. So if you have the resources and if you are hanging out in the depths long enough, you're going to find a bunch of resources. You can just conjure up these things with the auto build, and now like I think the pacing changes. The the difficulty of navigating the depths
0: works really well for encouraging you to use Zoni devices and mm-hmm. to build vehicles, because yeah, like wandering around on foot gets pretty difficult. So even just even if you are on the
1: ground, like having a car helps a lot. Yeah, and the depths also has like these um, areas where there are a bunch of items. Uh, On like conveniently placed on these shelves, and it's like supposed to encourage you to to make stuff. But what I find it is like it's really just to um, cut down the cost of what it will take for you to build. Because the way that auto build works is if you already have some of the items like in the vicinity, it is gonna just knock it off the price because you have to like pay in the raw zonite to actually make the thing. Oh wait, is that how it works? I thought you needed to have all the materials. No, you can just make them. Oh, and that makes it cost more Zonite. So, if you have like 100 Zonite and it costs 12 to make like a a glider, then you can just make the glider for 12 without any items. Okay, that makes sense. I I think that wasn't fully explained in the game or I missed it. Yeah, because the way that they explain it to you is that you have all the items in front of you uh, mm -hmm. and then like it just... I don't. I think that they very quickly explain like you will cover the cost of building it if you're missing an item with the zonite that you're carrying because you can also trade in the zonite for the charges. Right. Charges right, right. Yeah, are also stuff. really helpful if you have a big distance to get through. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't have the charger.
0: Yeah. They can recharge your battery. So yeah, this just happened to me and I was a little confused. So this makes sense because I built a thing that I had a, a schematic for, uh, but then like two of the pieces of it were green um and i was a little confused by like why they were glowing green and i think it was because they were generated for auto build they weren't mm-hmm. like actually existing in the world when i built it yeah
1: like once you're done with the idea if
0: you if yeah if you dismantle the object then the the auto built
1: pieces will disappear yeah i think that's like so that you don't just infinitely generate a ton of crap yeah. and then ruin right your game. right
0: right yeah so uh i mean auto build is is great yeah because it kind of fixes The uh, problem you run into pretty quickly, which is like, I want to build a cool thing, but I might not have all these items on hand Mm -hmm. when I want when I want to use it. Um, But, you know, the resource cost is a little like that. That's one of the things I don't love. And I get that it helps balance it, but it it somewhat restricts the creativity because you're like, well, it's going to cost me something to build this every time. Um, but I guess as you get further in the game, you just have more and more resources, and it it's less and less of a big deal to to build something.
1: Yeah, because the one thing that you don't want to do in Zelda is just sit there and farm for an hour. Although right. I have no idea how to get more arrows. Like the economy for a lot of these items seems pretty good to just get through without taking time out to simply run around in circles and like just acquire a good amount of the item before you carry on. Uh, arrows i can never have enough uh, arrows that's in the early game i i have a good amount of arrows uh, nowadays i sit
0: like at or above 150 arrows consistently i like run around uh, with 10 arrows
1: all the time I don't, yeah know where I, they my go.
0: recommendation my recommendation is find a uh find like you know any crates or barrels and things make sure you always break those because they tend to have bundles of arrows
1: yeah and then i just use them right away because i have to use the uh the the, the plant to make the walls glow in the depth
0: ah well the other trick uh you just throw bright bloom seeds i do that all the time to conserve oh okay i never even thought about just throwing them yep uh okay so we haven't talked about fusion but fusion is the other big mechanic that they added to this i guess there's also ascend and recall both of which are cool but yeah fusion is you can attach anything to your weapons which is also crazy you, so you ever attach a like banana to any, a sword? Yeah, a b- banana, an apple, just any of any food materials. You can attach rocks and crates and uh, barricades in enemy encampments.
1: Um, you can attach weapons to other weapons. A great way to use all those uh, horns and stuff that you pick up is to attach them to your weapon because a lot of those uh, are designed in a way to just change your weapon.
0: Yeah, it's funny because uh, they added all the horns to all these, uh, these, or some of them might have existed already, but they added new ones for different enemies, and it's really funny because all the enemies, it's like, oh yeah, they have a naturally occurring horn that looks like a sword or an axe, <laughs> like or a hammer. <laughs> it's just like clearly designed for you to use it in fusions. <laughs> and the other thing is that all your base weapons now, uh, you know, part of the lore is because of like the what's it, the upheaval all the weapons are decayed and so they're they all suck so you need to build your own weapons Mm -hmm. and so you can build just a sword by being like okay it's a lizalphos horn attached to like a a rusted sword and that'll make you like a nice katana or something but uh it gets like much more creative than that (laughs) so like you have your basic stuff that can just make you know swords hammers uh you know you have you can attach something to the end of a spear all that it's all cool but you can also get like elemental effects by attaching different stuff, uh, like what Lizalfo's tails will basically create a whip, a bunch of other weird ones. Mushrooms to the end of things will give them like a bouncy effect so they'll knock enemies far away when you hit them.
1: You can even attach Zonite items into onto your, your weapons. Oh yeah, yeah. So yep, like yep. if you wanna just throw a sword uh, that is attached to a rocket, it will shoot off like a rocket.
0: <laughs> I haven't tried that. <laughs>
1: to a uh, rocket that's
0: so good yeah. you can do stuff to your shield also so rocket shield is a classic getaway move attach a shield to your rocket hold up the shield and then
1: <laughs> it just shoots you <laughs> up in the
0: sky <laughs> i've used that when i was like in a really tough fight and i needed to get away um and sometimes you can come up with like really cool combos did i tell you about this one uh if you have one of those feathered spears the the rito spears that have the wind effect if you attach a an ice Lizalfos horn, uh, but also some other ice items would have the same effect. They, uh, then when you hit an enemy, they'll get frozen by the ice effect. But then the wind effect blows them away because frozen enemies slide along the ground when they get hit by uh.
1: wind. It's yeah. like my
0: favorite weapon. So I use it to like, I just beat like a black boss bokoblin, which is like a pretty tough enemy because he was standing by a body of water and I just hit him once with this and he got frozen and then blown off the edge into the water. And then drown. Yeah, yeah.
1: I like attaching the uh, the cast eyeball to the arrows because that's like an instant headshot. Oh, really good. Yeah. Yep. It's like, it's good if you like have like a flying enemy. They just fall right off their... Uh uh their vehicle have you gotten a key's eyeball from one of the elemental keys yeah oh man those are so annoying
0: it has the homing effect plus
1: the elemental effect yeah but those are so annoying because like they can just see you from miles away and they will like be relentless in following you there's also the wings which increase the
0: um the distance you can attach to your arrows too so it'll increase Mm -hmm. the distance your arrows fly while staying accurate now david have you attached a wing to a weapon I have not increases the throw distance that's actually very useful I have a boomerang with an electric key swing on it so it's a long distance
1: electric boomerang so from the way that we're describing it it seems like the game can get broken pretty quickly yeah I think it 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 can I mean if I were really optimizing
0: I think a lot of these I just wouldn't use a lot of these items because I could very quickly find like an item that is just the absolute best But the items still break, so you still need to collect Mm -hmm. resources and build your own as you go. And I think that does, I feel like here, it's, you know, I, I, I thought it was good in the first game too, but the items breaking feels even more appropriate... Because, like, there's so much more creativity Here. to the weapons. And so then breaking really forces you to not, like, build a perfect weapon. You, you always have to be trying new combos. And maybe you don't have access to that weapon anymore. So build a new one using some new combination of things.
1: Yeah, I just, I wish there, there were some weapons that weren't, like, total trash. But I think having every weapon be trash, like, something that you can use 10 times before you have to go switch to another one, like... That, i guess that does encourage you to just continuously try more and more things as opposed to like well, always they're leaning not, they're in. not all trash because when
0: you fuse them they get a lot more durability
1: yeah that i mean that's another advantage of fusing the thing but it, it does break eventually it does right. break like it all breaks now, like your banana have, sword have will you,
0: break have you found mm-hmm. weapons in the depths yet yes because those are those have higher base durability, and they still get the benefit of durability from fusing.
1: Yeah, there's like the spooky, spooky like little pile of rocks, um, and there is a guy holding them, and then the guy vanishes into a cloud of dust when you pick up the weapon. Yeah, and so those will be a mix
0: of like just weapons from the last game, but they're they're untarnished, and so they have higher durability. But also some kind of like legendary, you know, uh, they might have been from the DLC, but they're all just like weapons from other Zelda games and stuff. So you can get like, like I got the big Goron
1: sword, you can get like the fierce DD sword. I got to see if I actually have that DLC for the game. I think I have the DLC for the game, but I haven't run into any of that stuff you don't need to have the
0: dlc but i think they're from they're things that were in the dlc in the first game
1: well the game th- this game does have some connection with uh, your breath of the wild save because i went to one of the stables and like my horses yep. were there it saves uh, saves your horses i i have uh, i
0: my favorite horse to use is the the white horse that you get in the first game which is like the best stats of any of the horses i think yeah and uh i forgot that i had named that horse Cause look, it was I was playing it in like 2017, so uh, it's a it's a white horse. So I named it Motoko <laughs> because that Ghost in the Shell movie was out. Oh no,
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's funny.
0: Yeah, the fusion stuff I I really really enjoyed. Yeah, I'm trying to think with like the arrows. I use the fire arrows a lot. Um, definitely the keys, eyeballs. I've recently tried more. I, I wasn't doing this for the first like 70 hours of the game but there's a bunch of stuff a bunch of monster parts you can attach that are kind of designed to be used in arrows like i tried using them on weapons and they didn't they don't give you much of a boost but they have more of a boost when attached to arrows Uh, and it's mostly like the basically there's the monster parts from their head and then there's like the monster parts from their hands or whatever and generally the ones from their heads you want to attach to weapons and the ones from their hands you want to attach to arrows so if it's like a Or like that, I guess there's teeth and stuff too, but it's basically the, there's the horns are for, for weapons. And then if it's the teeth or talons or things like that, those are like better attached to arrows. So I started trying those and like some of those give you like a plus 14 damage on a single arrow.
1: Yeah. Because I mean, I've, I've walked in, I've done the mistake of walking in and just using like a regular weapon and these, uh, these enemies, they, they. They will soak in a ton of damage and then your weapon will break. So you might like if you run into a gang of enemies, you might be changing weapons like two or three times. But that was before I was like getting like, you know, really into fusions. Even now, like I think I've leaned in on some of the more useful ones, but I'm definitely feeling like I need I need just I need more firepower as opposed to what I'm using right now. Are you now I need to check, David? Uh Are you using unfused weapons? uh i was in the first few hours and now i every time i pick up a weapon like i have to attach it to something because it sucks okay. otherwise <laughs> okay
0: yeah i was gonna say i was hoping you weren't using unfused weapons because no. you're really not supposed to the no. game is designed it, it's balanced at this point for you to be fusing everything you get
1: no i like i I'll, like i'll fuse the zonite stuff that i pick up to weapons and like I'll i'll try to like use those in the shrines because that's where you run into like the rogue robot guys um Mm -hmm. but sometimes okay you know you know what i need to do i need to find a way to trade these core rock seeds because i know i can get more (laughs) weapon slots but i have not run into where where i can do that that helped a lot I, i spent many
0: hours uh not not uh upgrading my my slots and it was pretty rough and then i i got I finally found uh the place to do that and it kind of like helped a lot because now i have a much more manageable set of items
1: yeah i have like so many seeds i i wouldn't say that i, I hate these little guys but sometimes they have a big ask and two yeah, corak seeds they're, they're like help me help me find my friend yeah and i'm like yeah i'll help i'll help you find your friend and i toss them off a cliff
0: but <laughs> that's really funny he, when they either here or there wow, wow. <laughs> they make the little noises when they bounce <laughs> Um, oh, I forget what I was gonna say about the weapons, but uh, and uh, oh, you know, I was gonna say uh, shield fusions or There's a lot of cool stuff with that. I'm still kind of exploring shield fusions. Uh, like some of the big ones is yeah, like a lot of the stuff that can get you uh, verticality. Like you can attach rockets, uh, octo balloons will float you up, which I haven't tried yet, but I've seen that you can do that. Uh, you can attach various like, you know, flame emitters and things uh, t- and fans and stuff to your shields, which will emit stuff in front of you. Uh, I just attached a an electric like like-like like stone like likes are back in this game, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Um So I attached an electric like like stone to my shield. And now if you do the little parry motion while standing in front of an enemy, it electrocutes them. Nice. And so you can get a and, you know, you can combine shield and and single handed weapon To create like a combo there like at one point I did the ice wind combo but I did it by having a uh, I think I had an ice emitter on my shield and then like a a fan in my hand and so then it was like freeze them with the shield and then uh, and then blow them away
1: so you can do all sorts of stuff like that you could have yeah like electrocute them with the shield and then hit them with the sword yeah, Tears of the Kingdom isn't like a super graceful video game. I think when it comes to combat, oh, no, it's... because you are attaching, you're you're literally attaching shit to other shit to have something that is. It's maybe... super goofy. Like, yeah, it's a game that's
0: designed around the idea of you cheesing it, right? because I think it was very much inspired by people who cheesed the first game. And so they were like, we're just going to put that in the game. So it's like it's really goofy. You don't like you don't look cool, but you feel really clever for like just coming uh-huh. up with these weird combos.
1: Yeah. like I think because it's so difficult to get a complete suit of uh, attire in the game, like you might be combining like very clashing outfits, like it almost doesn't look recognizable as a Zelda game. Uh, when right, you get right. like really, really into into the dirt here, uh, swinging around with like the most shit-looking weapons, uh, taking advantage of the physics at every opportunity that you get. Because like if you do launch an enemy off a cliff, that is a lot of damage, and suddenly it's a fight that is no longer an issue for you. <laughs>
0: uh let me think of some of the wacky combos i have in my inventory right now i have a soldier's shield attached to another shoulder shield okay i did <laughs> like i attached one on top of another
1: i attached uh, did you run into the uh yiga guys mm-hmm. yet uh yes yeah, yeah okay yeah because like they drop um they drop, uh, they they're like ninja right so they're dropping right. katanas and stuff so i fused the katana to a katana to make like a super long katana (laughs) yeah 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 oh yeah you can do you can attach
0: any weapon to any weapon and it retains the kind of like interaction mode of its base weapon so you can have a you want to have a sword but with extra range you can have a sword with a spear attached to the end of it and it still swings like a one-handed sword yeah or vice versa put a sword at the end of a shield a sword at the end of a spear you can attach a sword to a shield or a shield to a sword Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and in the case of if you put a sword on a shield it's just goofy it's like you glued the sword to the shield and uh if you parry it'll do damage uh and then if you do the other way around i think if you attach it to a one-handed weapon it's almost like a club or an axe or something it's just like it's just a te- the shield is attached to the end of it what i haven't tried yet is apparently you can put a shield on a two-handed weapon and it allows you to block while using a two-handed weapon
1: oh that's i know good. I, ha-
0: I did not realize yeah. that i saw that online <laughs> a little cheat for you yeah there's, I mean, I'm like probably 90 hours in and I'm still finding new things. Like, I just saw online somebody suggested you can attach a flame emitter to a boomerang and then it <laughs> will just shoot flame in a circle. While the boomerang spins. <laughs> like, I hadn't even thought of that. I
1: think attaching, yeah, you could attach a bomb to a boomerang. Would it come back? Yeah.
0: I think it would? <laughs> That's worth trying. Would the bomb explode it someone,
1: before it hits you? If it like, hits back? if it
0: hits someone, it would explode. I think I think it needs to hit something to explode. Yeah. Uh also Okay, so you can throw a boomerang, and just like in the first game, you could fire off arrows or something while the boomerang is out there. Uh, but then you can also recall the boomerang using the ability that lets you rewind anything in time. <laughs> so you can throw the boomerang, then recall it back to you if it falls down. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's uh the recall and the ascend. Those are two abilities that I think are advanced. They're a little bit weird and yeah. they don't always apply uh in so many situations like the like ultra hand. But Right, right, right. But uh, yeah, I mean,
0: they're you're right, they're kind of advanced, but you can do some cool stuff with them. I mean, like ascend lets you just go through the ceiling almost anywhere uh which you can use in very clever ways like uh we didn't even mention caves but caves are a great addition here and if you get into a cave you can just ascend through the ceiling to go up and sometimes you can just use that to get out of a cave but you can also use a cave to navigate around like a mountain that you don't want to cross Mm -hmm. it's Uh, like
1: i feel i felt like there was um there are some puzzles that you can only do with ascend yeah and you might You might like just be wandering around completely frustrated like how do i figure this out and then you remember like oh yeah right i have ascend and then it like it gets you thinking like okay what is above my head what is like ground that is good for ascend but recall i just haven't been able to find anything for recall yeah well before i tell you about recall uh i was gonna say for for
0: the for ascend and for the caves it feels like there's also there's like a half layer we talked about the three (laughs) layers of the map there's almost a half layer for the caves because now there's also like underground but not the depths yeah right and so and they're not there's not they don't cover the whole map or anything but there's just like multiple places where there's like an underground cave system which almost function like mini dungeons right did mm-hmm. you get that sense too they feel almost like a dungeon like they've got a kind of maze structure and you're you're exploring them and there's
1: enemies and chests to find and stuff yeah i i feel like they're a little bit more one off like the like big grottoes from ocarina of time oh yeah they they're a lot like the
0: grottos that's uh, true
1: and like the wells are also a bit like that as well because like sometimes you'll drop into a well and it will just be Um, it'll be like a gimmick well where it's like, oh, somebody has been growing pumpkins in here, I guess. And you just have (laughs) access to a bunch of pumpkins now. And then there are other wells where it's like, oh, it looks like somebody was hiding their fortune in here. And then like you open a chest and it's like a bunch of rupees. Right, right. Or like... There's at least one
0: well I went to that's got a pretty significant cave system with a branching paths and a bunch of different enemies in it.
1: Yeah, that's like what the sort of that's the sort of thing I would want to wander into. It's like, oh, wow, it's like a whole big area just in here.
0: Yeah, I mean, that. that's what feels to me sometimes like, oh, it's almost like a, like, it's not a full dungeon, but yeah. it gives you some of the experience of a dungeon where you're like exploring this cave
1: system. Yeah. And like the like the nice thing when you find these things, is like, because the entrance is just so not like, it's, it almost seems like insignificant from the outside.
0: Yeah. Like, they're kind of hidden, which is cool.
1: Yeah. And, but then when you're actually inside, like, oh, wow, it just expands. And then you're suddenly in a bit of gameplay that isn't like, oh, just the open world bit. Uh, That's the thing. I mean, if, it feels like they really
0: managed to add so many different types of gameplay in here so that when you go into a cave, you're kind of playing a different game. When you go into the depths, you're playing a different game. When you're up in the sky, you're playing a different game. So it's like the fact that the the stuff on the ground in Hyrule is kind of the same is like so negated by the fact that there's a million other ways to play it. And even the stuff on the ground in Hyrule has the addition of Ultra Hand and Fusion and stuff that just like changes your interactions with it like just really opens up everything you can do now recall one of the best things you can do those horriblin guys the new enemy type they're up on the ceiling and you're trying to hit them with an arrow they throw a rock at you recall
1: the rock back and it knocks them off the ceiling <laughs> <laughs> all right i right, have to remember that because i i get i get pelted with rocks all the time yeah and i just uh, i don't really know what to do aside from putting my shield up so anybody who throws a projectile at you recall it Damn, that might have actually been really useful for a boss. Like, I was yeah. I was having a frustrating uh, time. Hinoxes.
0: Hynoxes will, like, grab a grab a tree and uh, throw it at you. Recall the log. The the log from the tree back and hit them. Yeah. I like can do the same thing with
1: taluses. When they throw a rock at you, you can recall it. Do you hear that oh. thing about how uh, Tears of the Kingdom has, like, one year of polish on it? What does that mean? It means they were done making the game, like, a year ago. Oh.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, that that makes sense they <laughs> it feels very polished uh, uh by the way speaking of taluses and abilities someone told me this could not believe this if you you fought a talus in this
1: game right describe the enemy to me
0: oh it's like the big rock guys they're in the first game too. yes
1: okay so i've run into those yeah so you can re like i said you can recall the rocks back at them or you can climb
0: up them like in the the first game someone told me you can <laughs> ascend through a talus
1: that is sick <laughs> I ran into <laughs> one that was designed I think around Zonite and you're able to ultra yeah. hand them.
0: Oh no, I didn't find that. Oh my god. Yeah. I'm like almost a hundred hours into this game and I'm still like learning about all this new stuff.
1: No, it's like it was so crazy because the first time I ran into them, I was like, well shit, this is just based on that other guy that completely creamed me when I had three hearts. And then I I was ran into another one and I had been I'd been using the ultra hand a lot. Like I finally like started using the powers like 10 hours in. Like I was so set in my ways of like just doing it the old way. And then once I actually opened up to using all the stuff that the game is trying to get me to do, I'm like, okay, let's just activate ultra hand. And then I saw that the whole enemy lit up and I'm like, oh shit, I can just (laughs) pull it apart. Oh my God. (laughs) Uh,
0: Okay. Now here's something I just did. Uh, I I figured this out a while ago, but I just had a good example of using it. Now, you know, you can't use recall on enemies or yourself, right? Mm -hmm. So. You might think, okay, you know, I'm up on this, let's say you're up on a cliff and like an enemy dropped, you know, you knocked an enemy off and they dropped some valuable resource down below. And you wanna go down and get it, but you're like, oh, but I wanna come back up here, right? How, how would you do that? Like, you can't recall yourself. But you're standing up there, there's some trees, I just did this, chop down the trees, make a little raft, ultra hand the raft off the edge of the cliff and drop it, go down and pick your stuff up, get on the raft and recall the raft. That's
1: actually pretty pretty ingenious. <laughs> <laughs> and it totally works it's just like you create an elevator it takes you right back up where you were man this isn't even like a podcast <laughs> this is just tips and tricks with evan mento like i'm like when i get back in the game i'm like just gonna be thinking about all the other things that i was ignoring that's the thing is you were saying like sometimes you
0: forget you have a send right and like it's easy to forget that you you kind of have god mode if you're clever enough right you can just combine these things to do almost anything you want mm-hmm.
1: and the game, like. This, I'm so grateful that the game is just not always on your case about like, hey, use this, use this. Because Mm -hmm, I think mm -hmm. otherwise, like if like somebody if somebody that was like less confident in their design, like they would just be a lot of little hints and things showing up on the screen, like just straight up just the game telling you, hey, maybe consider using this. this. Yep. Oh yeah, I'm, a lesser game would absolutely prompt you every time for like the correct solution for these things. Uh huh. Just because it's like there's just no no faith in in the player being able to figure things out. But the the truth is <sighs> like I will not figure things out for a long time, but I'll still find a way to get through it. And then once right, I discover, right. which is also fun, once I discover like a way that I another way that I can approach a thing then it's just something else that I can use for next time, right? Like if there are a hundred solutions to a problem, I don't have to know all 100 before coming into that situation. I just need a few solutions to get me through. And then I can just build up like this repertoire of things that I'm able
0: to do. Uh, I was talking to my cousin about, did you ever find the stuff in the Sky Islands where there's like a chest hanging from a vine? Yeah. How did you solve that
1: uh i flipped the thing that it was on until the chest was in a way that i could get access to it got it my cousin uh built a platform
0: to put underneath it then then shot the vine with an arrow so that it fell onto the platform so that's two solutions Uh uh-huh what i did Recall the chest so that it sits in place and then while it's recalled you can do other stuff So then shoot the vine with the arrow and then you can ultra hand while something is recalled So then ultra hand the chest
1: floating in midair and grab it Jeez, that's like two layers of using your <laughs> your uh, your fucked up hand Yeah, I uh, that that's a trick that I think
0: you know the game doesn't tell you but yeah you, uh, you can uh do all sorts of stuff with things while they're recalled so you can recall and then ultra hand. you can recall and fuse you can recall and grab it like you like you can do that with a boomerang or an item or something like i've had items fall down i just killed a like like up uh, kind of uphill inside a cave and then its stone fell all the way down and then i just recalled the stone and then grabbed it as it was moving back toward me yeah recall is like you said it's advanced but it's like really op if you know how to use it you just have to you have to remember it's there that you can recall basically anything Mm you want
1: yeah sometimes i'm still like getting in dumb situations where i'm like i'm panicking and trying to like figure out what uh what thing to pop out like am i gonna actually approach this fight with a weapon am i gonna go for an ultra hand do i have to fuse something like on the fly um the ui gets very chaotic like that's the experience yeah, my, of my it. least favorite part is probably the
0: scrolling through items when you're trying to like fuse an arrow or something it really takes you out
1: like the game has to pause at that point like it, it can't be done in real time because it, you it have needs, to scroll like, it through. needs um needs categories it needs folders
0: basically folders but even if it just <laughs> it has sorting and i feel like it has the sorting option that gives you that puts like the zonite or uh, like the zoni devices like first right it should just have that for all the other categories like food uh rocks mm. monster parts right like because that would just significantly speed it up because you know what category you're looking for you're like oh i need a bomb all right give me like plants or something
1: yeah we don't we don't need a we don't need to control everything via the lynx phone sometimes we actually do just need to sit in front of a computer next should be like the the pura like laptop pura book we're going backwards wouldn't you assume if they're if they have our technological progression
0: they already invented the pura book and now they're on the pura pad well I don't it's know. literally the pura pad i was doing that as a joke in my head for like ipad but it's called the pura pad it, yeah it,
1: yeah <laughs> well, i don't know maybe the, like the next breath of the wild will be like okay we gotta we gotta use like an, like antiquated technology and then now suddenly you have to like boot everything up from a desktop computer yeah, it's, gonna, it's uh, Hypnospace Outlaw. <laughs> Is that the name of that game? Did I get that right? Yeah, okay. All
0: right, we have basically podcasted long enough to do a full episode about Tears of the Kingdom, and we have barely scratched the surface, but I think we'll just wrap up here. We may have more thoughts on it later, but it's so good. It's the only thing I've been playing since it came out.
1: Yeah, it's, the, um, it's a game that I just, I can't, I can't see myself finishing it in like maybe maybe before the end of the year even if I like sat down for like three four hour sessions every day like depending on the level of completeness I just I don't know and there's so many games coming out really
0: yeah I think I'm going to need to pretty soon I'm going to need to like start just mixing other games into the rotation because otherwise it's going to be the only thing I'm playing for months yeah, take a break from the game that you can play forever for a different game that you can play forever like Stardew Valley.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> no, I need to finish playing, uh, you know, speaking of the podcast, I need to finish playing Thousand Arms uh, for an upcoming episode. So that will need to get put back in my gaming rotation uh, so that I'm not only playing Zelda all the time. <laughs> all right, that's it for this quick save episode we'll wrap up here there's no final thoughts because this is not this is very far from being a full review but you know our final thoughts are oh my god there's so many things you can do in this game Mm -hmm. (laughs) before we head out you can read articles from me on anime news network and both of us on otaku usa magazine's website uh, or in the magazine itself uh david well are you still streaming video games there is the the stream yeah we streamed yesterday but did you stream me no no were you on it yes you i was on it. you were gone for a while yeah okay i was okay. on it so so uh david is streaming with with our buddy inaki fellow anti-gamers podcaster every saturday night at twitch.tv slash small bean what are you playing
1: uh persona 5
0: royal nice which i own now as i've discussed previously uh maybe that'll be a game i'll put in the rotation another 100 hour game i mean i have to finish thousand arms so you know i am uh, trying to stay on on task here <laughs> for our listeners uh we have a patreon support us on patreon.com slash any to get into the priority question list and access bonus articles and podcasts uh and uh, you can also make us review stuff that is why i am playing thousand arms because i'm going to be doing a review uh thanks to a request uh, as part of our golden ticket program you can check out show notes, blog posts, and a link to the official AnyGamers Discord on AnyGamers.com. Email us questions, responses, and topic suggestions at podcast any- at com, Or talk to us on various social networks. Many, uh, many social oh, networks. T- way too many. We were talking about this in the pre-show. I'm still on Twitter, at sign Vampedvo, Vamptvo, And I am that same thing on a bunch of other places. I'm on Blue Sky at uh, vampvo, same thing. I'm also vampvo on threads the new instagram twitter thing and i'm on mastodon at vampedvo at mastodon dot social and any gamers is still just on twitter but i should probably change that at sign any gamers david you are posting on blue sky yeah
1: you you invited me it's kind of your fault now what's your you, what's your username on there uh la criatura, the creature Pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) Trying something new out. No more QX20XX. No, that belongs to the
0: dying website. It's going down with the ship. And finally, episodes are available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Leave us reviews to help more people find the show. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again in about a month, though I might throw in the seasonal sampler before then because we're kind of running late
1: at this point. Later. Now I'm gonna go back to my Nintendo Switch and play The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom.